Join me and three of my favorite Irish tourism experts as we share our travel predictions for the rest of this year and into 2021. joining me today here on the Traveling in Ireland podcast. Today's episode is just a little bit different. I have with me three very impressive guests who have incredible Ireland knowledge, and we are going to talk about Ireland travel predictions for the rest of 2020 and into 2021. So today I have with me Tina O'Dwyer, Paul O'Keneally, and Stephanie Chastain. So I'm going to let everyone introduce themselves, just a, a tiny snippet of why why I have chosen you. I think it will come out pretty clear once you tell us what you do. So Tina, would you like to go first? Yeah, hi. Thanks for having me, Jody. I'm Tina O'Dwyer. I live in County Clare on the West Coast. My business is the tourism space and I work very closely with tourism business owners and managers offering training and coaching and professional development supports. Excellent. And Paul? So I'm Paul O'Neill. I'm the travel editor with the Irish Independent here in Ireland, and I'm responsible for the print content, the destination coverage, the travel news, and the social media there. So I, I keep in touch with travel in Ireland and travel overseas. And Stephanie is a return guest to the podcast. So Stephanie, would you tell everybody who you are? Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me again, Jody. I'm Stephanie. I am the travel uh, creator at InfiniteIreland.com. I write, do very much uh, similar to, to Jody here. Um, I write uh, blogs about Ireland as well as uh, help people plan their trips. Excellent. So as you can see, I have three very knowledgeable people joining me today to talk about Ireland and what we might be able to expect as these travel bans lift. Of course, none of us have a crystal ball. These are just maybe some feelings that we have going on or what we are garnering from news we read. So Ireland right now is on a two kilometer lockdown, which is to lift on May 5th. Now, Tina, your two kilometer lockdown is a lot different than Paul's because you live in the west of Ireland and Paul lives in Dublin. So there's there's a vast difference, while not in the distance you can go, but in the experiences that you're able to have when you do step out of your house. Yeah, I guess so. So I don't I don't have anything to compare it to. I know certainly here we feel and we say it often really lucky that we're living in the countryside and that there's far worse places to be in lockdown than, than where we are, for sure. Um, uh, the, the weather has been fantastic. So it's very green. There's birds singing all the time. There's blue skies. We've had the most amazing sunshine, had or sunsets, I mean, rather, sunrises and sunsets. So it's been great. We're spending a lot of time outside. Um, my my favorite place to go for a walk is Lynch Beach, and that's beyond my two kilometers. It's about five kilometers. So I feel very tempted all the time to go, but, but I haven't been. But um, still, there's quite a few people, you know, who would be near beaches or, um, you know, small villages and stuff. And it's really quite quite nice. I, have to say. I, I actually spoke with Ben Bennett this morning who owns okay. the uh, surf clinic there in La Hinch. In La Hinch yeah. And 
he's he's right there at the beach. He said he surfs maybe five hours a day right now. Yeah, mm. yeah. They have the beach to themselves. Yeah. Yes, really they do. So, Paul, how are you getting yeah. out? Are you near anything great? Um, one of the parks or anything that you can get out to, or are you kind of stuck to the city streets there? No, I'll tell you where I am. I'm actually at the end of the Dart commuter line in Greystones, County Wicklow. So although nice. in the normal run of things, I'm in and out of Dublin all the time. It's about a 50 minute ride on our commuter train. Um, I'm on lockdown at home in our house and we our 2km radius is not bad. It, it, we, it just about takes in a, a sliver of coastline along the Irish Sea and we have a, a little forest nearby and we've been spending time just before I came on to speak to you guys, we did uh, we did a big walk. We got our binoculars out, a few drinks and a few snacks into the backpack and walked around that radius. And we've been discovering local history and mm. the big houses that form the estate here and looking for, you know, little tracks and trails we haven't done before and bird watching like you have never <laughs> believed. Who knew this kind of soap opera was going on yeah, around yeah. us in the hedges and the trees? So yeah, yeah look, we, we are, are one day we've got cab cabin fever and we're fed up and uh, the next day we feel grateful that we are healthy and and all together. So I'm the same as many people, I imagine. Yeah. I, I think that's true the world over. I know that there are good days and bad days. And Stephanie, you're in a college town in Pennsylvania where things have to be eerily quiet without all those students. Yes, indeed. It is very, very quiet. Now, granted, we are on lockdown, so we're not going anywhere to, to, to see anything or visit anything, but um, even the grocery stores that would normally be packed with students, you know, getting everything from, you know, ramen noodles and, you know, whatever they would normally be getting um, uh, are, are just empty. So it is, it is quite sad to see actually but um you know all for the best to you know to stay healthy and you know here in iowa we are not on lockdown but we're a, a very rural state um so i can still go out for bike rides and go to the state parks although we do a lot of camping and we can't do that um those those things are all restricted to us but we're we're pretty lucky here as well so right now, the lockdown in Ireland is set to end on May 5th. Um, Paul, you are probably the one who would, would get the news fastest being part of the, the, me the news media there. Um, does it look like that is still going to be the end date or does it look like things could go longer? Um, it does look like things can go longer. Uh, so lockdown isn't going to end on the fifth. What that's the the sort of the the outer limit of of the current restrictions when they were given a couple of weeks ago. So we are expecting an announcement and an update in the next week to tell us what's happening next. And an optimistic scenario would be a gentle easing of restrictions. Now this is all speculation. And mm -hmm. everything we say has got a COVID-19 health Completely. warning on it, but it might include things like letting older people out for some brief daily, daily exercise. At the moment, the over 70s are being asked to cocoon in Ireland, mm -hmm. which means stay in their homes. It may mean um, uh, DIY and, and uh, gardening stores are allowed to open, or that our 2K radius is, is sort of relaxed notionally. I can't see anything more than that. I'd be pleasantly, you know, it would be nice if there was, but we're so far as a country, we've largely bought into 
the messaging here and what needs to happen to keep people safe mm -hmm. and contain this thing. But there's definitely a brewing cabin fever and a danger of complacency. So that's what the, the government is balancing at the moment. It's how to give, give us something small to hold on to, but without mm -hmm. sort of just, you know, we need to stay the course and they don't want to, to jeopardize the progress we've made. Of course, of course. Now, I know that on my end, and I'm sure, Stephanie, you can can um, add to this. I am having a lot of contact with people who have trips planned maybe for May and June, or May, June, July. Um, I do know that a lot of tour companies have canceled trips into mid-July, and uh, airlines have been canceling flights. So, obviously, there are a lot of tourists who had travel planned that are um, maybe have a lot of worries or have been left scrambling. Stephanie, I'm sure that you are getting a lot of emails and things of that nature as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, the general consensus from, you know, industry leaders, as well as, you know, just anecdotally is that, you know, the spring and most of the summer is, is really out of the question. And, um, you know, fall is certainly still quite up in the air. And I don't think that we can very um, positively say, you know, that, that anything is going to be for certain until mm -hmm. um, we get a better handle, you know, through the spring and through the summer. Um, and so it is, a, it is disappointing. I've had, you know, I've had honeymoons canceled and, mm -hmm. you know, multi-generational trips that you just, your, your heart pours out for, for these people who have been, you know, planning this amazing, you know, lifetime trip. But Lifetime trips can wait as long as, you know, everybody stays healthy. So um, it's just, you know, juggling all of the other things that have to go along with canceling or rescheduling a trip. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's working with the airlines. It's working with the accommodations. I have had wonderful contact with the, you know, per service providers in Ireland about, you know, changing and postponing. And mm -hmm. um, I, I am just so pleased and not surprised by any means um, about how well people have kind of come together to support each other on, on all ends of the spectrum. Right. And that's the same thing I'm seeing is that people are very happy to, to work with those who have booked in to reschedule and get them in, even if it is a year out or maybe uh, a little bit more. And Tina, I know that you work with a lot of tourism businesses who are doing this type of, you know, reschedule, don't cancel. Um, are, how are they doing? I mean, obviously, tourism is their bread and butter. Um, they have no, no income, obviously, coming in right now, but their outflow is still going. How are the tourism businesses kind of handling all of this? Yeah, it's... Um... They've been on quite a journey and I think um, I've been speaking to business owners literally every day since since this started and the the emotional ride is just as tough as the practical ride and I think the it's in their very DNA to be welcoming people and to be hosting and the idea of you know locking your gates literally which some of them are doing and you know asking people not to come I mean actively 
promoting that you don't visit, I think is, is you know, deep down quite a traumatic thing to do. Um, they're handling it very, very well in the sense of they've quite a lot of focus on keeping the communication outward, outward towards the people who would have planned to come or might be planning to come. Um, certainly we went from the original panic and distress and that lockdown situation, which for tourism, it came probably a week before everywhere else. And it came very suddenly one Thursday and Friday. And, that, that first week was, was, was difficult and then people, obviously to say the very least, and then people really moved through the handling that as much as they could, stabilizing the finances, working really hard with their teams, you know, figuring out how to, how to look after them. And then very much into this period now of, you know, accepting the situation is going on longer than originally thought and using that time for really working hard on two things, like the, the fundamentals of the business, and then this this phasing back up. Um, I think a lot of people feel it's been a wonderful opportunity to look into their businesses and it's something they hadn't done and they're, they're, they feel they'll come back stronger. And right now they're really deconstructing the visitor experience. How exactly will this work when we come back under some kind of level of restriction still? So they're very, uh, very much looking at the whole, the whole hygiene, reassurance, social distancing, how that will work and still, and still have that good Irish welcome with it. And that's, that's top of mind right now. We're known for our welcome and how can you welcome at a distance in the way we would have done before. So, but overall, I have to say, I've been amazingly inspired by how well they're, they're handling it and how the mindset has moved with this, you know. And, and I think that that's what I've been hearing, too, is with the people I've been talking to is kind of a refocusing. Did, did we lose what we first set out to offer? And how can we get back to the basis of what we did? Yes. A lot of people speaking about it, you know, I say a lot. It's by no means a scientific survey, but a chance to look at their ethos and their culture. And those words being used quite a lot um, and coming, like I said, coming back clearer and more solid and stronger. And with a, it's a lot of people talk about their sense of purpose. And I guess that's what these kind of periods give you. They give you that chance to reflect um, and people are taking that. That's beautiful. Um, now, Paul, because you do work with um, for an, a newspaper, you are releasing news all the time and some of the biggest titles that have stuck out to me in the last week or so have been that all summer festivals have been canceled and that seems to be festivals of every shape type and size um, no tidy towns competition going on this year and i think the biggest one is that pubs might not be able to reopen until 2021 um, obviously the the pub issue could change but the other two won't what what are you feeling as you see these these titles come through and and knowing how much tourism means to Ireland and the people? I I, I feel it's hard not to you feel like the shock is done, but every time you see a fresh announcement like this, it 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 almost puts you back into that zone. We we will have not not in my lifetime remember a summer without GAA for instance an All-Ireland final no Galway races um, electric picnic will probably not go ahead etc but so events of 5,000 or more people have been cancelled right to the end of the summer that we know for sure um, and the pubs issue is still up in the air we don't know what's going to happen there but I think what what these announcements at least do is allow us to get a forward 
view over what the next couple of months will look like and they help people start to plan around that so you can't have festivals and events of 5,000 or more people so that makes you ask then well what can you do and I think that there's a consensus kind of emerging that the a tourism recovery or a reboot will start very ultra locally that as restrictions start to gently ease people in their communities may step back out and start to support the restaurants and the cafes uh, and maybe other businesses that they weren't able to support at this time in a very carefully managed way we're all going to have to feel our way through the new protocols what the distancing will look like what what makes us feel comfortable what needs to be done uh, uh, on a regulatory basis for hygiene. After that, I think you might see more of a regional spread. And finally, it will go national. We might start to be able to take those trips where we really want to get to the West Coast. We might want to go you know, cross-border or to a holiday home in Kerry, wherever it may be. And it's only once we start to go through that process and iron it out that I think that that's when it will start to dovetail with the return of international tourism. Now, I just can't give a time frame like that. Mm -hmm. I did a piece on the Canary Islands this week who mm -hmm. have a relatively low caseload and tourism is their absolute lifeblood. And their most optimistic scenario would be to see international tourism return in October. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's just one scenario. Um, and that they had a sort of a phase basis approach as well, where Canary Islanders will support their tourism and leisure industry first and then Spanish visitors and then possibly international visitors. So uh, you, you started by asking me, how do I feel? I, I still feel shocked, but I think that the cancellations and at least the fact that we're having these conversations now means we can start to get to grips with what needs to happen in order mm -hmm. to reopen Irish tourism is not, is not, and Irish life is not going to look the same in 2020. Um, but what it will look like, that's what we're starting to figure out. Now, Tina and Paul and, and Stephanie, you can probably weigh in on this as well. Irish tourism over the last five years has just been building and building and building and building, almost to the point where some areas were reaching mac, you know, mass tourism, over-tourism. Do you think that as tourism opens again internationally, that we're going to get back to the smaller, more cultural experiences as opposed to the larger everyone is visiting the Ring of Kerry or the Cliffs of Mohor? Um, do, do you think that it's going to change the way tourists come into Ireland and the things they choose to see and do? Anyone? <laughs> Yeah, I, I could speak to that. Absolutely. I, I think um, people are going to be more intentional with their travels. They're going to be, um, and, and I think, uh, you know, coming from, you know, a U.S. or an American um, mindset, you know, people who I work with, you know, they uh, will probably be, be traveling in the exact same way, Paul, you mentioned that the Irish people will be, you know, it'll be very local. It'll be maybe then regional, uh, maybe short haul flights, you know, across you know, the, the states and then international travel. And so once they get to that, that international travel piece, I think that will be, uh, that'll be, a, oh, that'll be a while away probably for most people. And so doing long haul flights, doing big trips, lifetime trips, those are going to be very important, uh, very intentional. I think there was a, a researcher in uh, the Netherlands, he published a study 
uh, that you know, that greatest happiness is actually found in the anticipation of a trip um, and, and not in uh, necessarily the trip itself. So we're gonna have a long time to anticipate uh, a, a, you know, a trip like going to Ireland uh, again um, for, for the, the masses. And so in doing so, I think that people will be more intentional. They will have a focus on maybe the types of experiences they want and maybe not so much um, the bucket list destination. Now, that being said, I, I do hope that, you know, couched in kind of from what, what Tina was saying, couched in what uh, businesses are doing as they're stepping back and taking a look at their business, they also do think about this, this idea of maybe, you know, over tourism and, and perhaps maybe we should put a um, more, a, a bigger weight on, uh, on maybe value over volume. Um, uh, but you know, that's, that remains to be seen, but I know that, that hopefully that's in people's consciousness, at least a little bit now. And, the, and I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, Paul, Tina, either, either of you want to add on to that? Yeah, I noticed, um, I actually, Paul has an interesting piece in today's paper that, um, I read this morning and one of the observations he was making is you would hope there's me taking your words, but it's, you know, you would hope that that will happen, but your gut kind of tells you maybe it won't with an effort to get the, the economy moving again. But, um, and I'm a bit disheartened myself by the amount of people who seem to be saying that, that, you know, you'd hope it, but I'm not really optimistic. And um, my hope is that this change will, it will be driven by a change in, in visitor attitude, number one, which I, I do think people might be underestimating that how much visitor attitudes might change um, to that. And, like, like exactly what you said, Stephanie, they may be intentional in a way we're not expecting yet. And the other thing is I think communities have probably been really changed by this as well. And the, the underbelly of mass tourism is the effect it has on communities. That's, that's why it is an issue, really. Um, and it's, it obviously impacts the visitor experience. But we certainly had this um, issue. It kind of flared up over um, the bank holiday weekends where people were traveling to their holiday home. So and would stay within two kilometers of their holiday home, but that might be in the West of Ireland. And there certainly was a strong resistance from local communities to that. And I live in one of those areas, people still traveled. Um, and definitely the sentiment, I was kind of even surprised myself, um, locals really resented it because they felt visitors were just had disregard for them. Uh, where they'd always had a good welcome and I've heard you know people from other counties being interviewed and saying you know this could leave a lasting kind of divide if that continued through the mm -hmm. other bank holidays for example um, so I think possibly the voice of communities might become louder as well and that would have an impact I, I kind of feel the same I Paul wasn't saying this but I feel that public policy will be to start driving the numbers again um, with, with you know and, and we do have a chance to be more strategic than that so hopefully that's, that's my own sentiment in there as well. But I think communities and visitors will drive more than they have done in the past. Excellent. So as we start to look at things lifting slowly, we will see, you know, we will see flights. We won't see flights on the amount that they were. I mean, there were dozens and dozens of daily flights to Ireland from the US every day, but flights are going to have to start again. And when they do, what do you expect to see when flights are allowed into Ireland? What do you expect to see for, uh, you know, how many people they will even allow on a flight or what, um, what we're looking at for prices? What do you, do you have a gut feeling on any of that, Paul? Um, yeah, a couple of things. I think uh, 
like it's been said, I think short haul will recover first and earliest. Uh, people will start, that, that those flights will be available to people earlier. There will be heavy discounting when airlines are, are cleared to fly because they will really want to stimulate demand. And um, I've spoken to Ryanair, for example, about this, and I don't see why other airlines would be different, but they're saying you're going to see historic sales. You're going to see sales like you've never seen before just to get people back in the air, get the planes flying, get the confidence going, because the confidence is critical. Mm -hmm. I think long haul travel is going to take longer. Uh, uh, it's going to depend a lot on both ends, which the destination you're leaving, the destination you're going to, and how in control of the situation they are and what checks they bring in airport journeys are going to change radically people are going to want the reassurance of and it's going to be regulated that there could be anything from temperature checks like you're seeing in hong kong and seoul uh, through to distancing in queues to people mandated or uh, you know uh, instructed to wear face masks on flights and so on so that may make a certain amount of people reluctant to travel you may have a, a, an anxiety about foreign travel that lasts quite a while. So a lot of this will be about reassurance. It'll, I don't see um, any kind of significant re return in terms of overseas travel to Ireland this year. I think winter is, is historically quiet. So I think there might you might even see a period of retrenchment this winter as well. But I do think 21 and touch wood on this, we'll start to see a more significant comeback. Um, but uh, there's so it's dependent on so many things, uh, mm -hmm. Jody. It's uh, like I mean I know that we've we've sort of couched all of this in 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 that it's speculation, but there are just a couple of things that are are front of mind while people are thinking about how to travel. That's right, and and every yeah everything is just so dependent not only on the facts that come out and the way that that different travel companies and airlines and everything are handling this but it also goes back to the consumer and you know their feelings and and right now feelings are i mean up and down and and so hard to even gauge within yourself so so gauging the feeling of the consumer as they think about travel and and venturing out is going to definitely be difficult um, I, Tina, um, oh, I just, just to respond very briefly, one of Tina's points, I think involving communities and local authorities and local areas in any kind of planning that goes forward on marketing is absolutely critical. We're, we're all going to need to be on the same message in this because if you get that kind of divisiveness happening, it's just not going to do anyone any favor. So that's that's critical. That's for sure. That is so true. And and Tina, I know that you work with a lot of small businesses. There are restaurants and pubs and B&Bs and small hotels that you work with. Have any of them been talking about how they're going to handle, you know, if they are allowed to reopen? Obviously, there are going to be social distancing measures that are going to be coming in. Um, obviously, very difficult in a pub. Um, not, you know, even even difficult in a restaurant. Are there any ideas floating around about how they might handle these things? Yeah, I suppose it very much depends on, on the type of business. Hotels and pubs would be, I think, most at a loss as to how to handle that because they need a certain this, a certain amount of numbers to for the place to be viable, like a restaurant or anything like that. And they're definitely crunching the numbers. I was speaking with somebody from the bank this week who's supporting a lot of businesses and it's this idea 
it's an awful position to be in weighing up does it is there less of a loss if they just closed until this time next year than if they opened on a limited basis in either case it's a loss so it's going to be that kind of um and they have to make the decisions earlier than we might know the situation you know at what point do you decide will i reopen at all this year because then you have to employ staff you have to get trained up again it's going to take they would say six or eight weeks to have their teams back and their systems back and ready to go. So it's a very big decision for business owners. Um, I think other, other types of businesses, you know, that have an outdoors element or the more tours or attractions, they have more scope to manage the social distancing and they are definitely just scenario planning. Um, how, do I, how do I do this with space? And, and they can do it again. You, you need more staff rather than less. That's the thing to, to manage the social distancing. So you'll have less visitors with more staff to manage them. Um, so crunching the numbers is, is, is difficult, really very difficult with, with, again, so much uncertainty and speculation right now. Jodie, you probably have the same conversation going in the States, but the, the state support mm-hmm. for our, our, our tourism and hospitality is going to be, uh, you know, it's a no-brainer. It, it hasn't, there hasn't been a kind of any sector-specific supports announced, but our Irish Tourist Industry Confederation has been calling for things like a 0% VAT rate. Our Restaurants Association wants things like a reboot grant for yeah. people to be able to tool up and change their systems and get going again. Local authority rates waivers, insurance is an issue. It's actually an expensive country to do this kind mm-hmm. of business in. And if you're suddenly talking about a pub that can only run at 30% occupancy or a restaurant, those maths just don't add up. Then people aren't going to do it for the good of their hearts. So there needs to be a, a joined up thinking and there needs to be specific state support that needs to be rolled out quickly. That And that's so true that, you know, I, I guess when you're a tourist into an area, you don't think about everything that goes into running this successful business. Um, you're just there because they've made it such an, a successful business and you want to enjoy it. So the the back end business of the business is 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 so well hidden, I suppose, that that you don't you don't take the time to think about everything that is is going on and what will have to happen to continue to make it an enjoyable experience but also make people comfortable with being there. Yeah. So Stephanie, um, what do you think tourism is going to look like as we go into 2021? As I said earlier, Ireland tourism numbers have just gotten higher and higher over the years. This year was set to be, you know, another another record-breaking year across the country for tourism. And as as we've heard, it's just tourism probably is not going to really happen especially for international visitors until next year so what do you what do you think next year will be like do you think it's going to pick up where we've left off that we're going to have another big booming year do you think that 2021 is going to you know maybe reset by five years where the the numbers are going to be more similar to maybe 2015 2016. yeah i think the the thing that we're going to see is it's going to be fits and starts when you're two steps, two steps forward, one step back. Um, I don't think that there's going to be a linear progression of, of anything in it for quite some time, years likely. 
Um, I think it was the Delta CEO, he said that he didn't expect pre-pandemic levels until three years from now. Mm -hmm. So you know, if you think of that, if, if that's the projection um, you know, for the airlines, you know, the, the whole tourism industry essentially follows suit. But hopefully, you know, it doesn't mean that, you know, it, even though, you know, pre-pandemic levels, they were actually very high, <laughs> you know, as you, as you mentioned. So, so hopefully, you know, it's the case that those people that had to reschedule uh, their trips for, for this year, you know, that maybe they, maybe they took the voucher or maybe it's, you know, they, they have some reason or some confidence in traveling. Hopefully they reschedule, um, you know, sooner rather than later. And, and the systems are in place to allow people to get that confidence to travel again. And you know, once the confidence is there, once the system, I think it's two things, systems and confidence, um, you know, across the board between, you know, destinations and home countries, as well as uh, the airlines, as long as those, you know, those three, three things kind of um, work together, um, mm -hmm. that's, when, that's when we'll see travel resume. I think you can look, there's no precedence for this, but tourism has been resilient. Uh, and looking just back over the last 10 years, Ireland came out of a pretty nasty recession and global financial crisis at the beginning of the last decade. It needed some big reboots, it, things like the gathering. It needed some strong um, marketing campaigns. And it took several years to get up and running to the stage where we started breaking record numbers and returned to the kind of figures we'd seen the decade before. So even if you took that as an indicator, Jody, I think you can expect 2019 was a peak. And I, I wouldn't see us returning to that for, for at least four or five years. Mm -hmm. um, you know, all, and that's totally dependent on what happens with this virus. Definitely. I, I couldn't agree more. So let's say, I know that we've said that there are going to be some amazing deals on flights as we come out of this. The airlines almost have to do it just so they can get people flying again, um, you know, and people can come back and, and give, you know, hopefully glowing reports on the cleanliness of the aircraft and, and all the safety precautions of the, the flight crew. But what do you think flights are going to look like then as we get into 2021, um, especially price-wise? Anybody have any thoughts on, on what that might bring? <laughs> nope, nobody <laughs> wants to say it. I can tell. Everybody's well, thinking the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I, look, this is just a, a sense. I mean, we're all just putting straws in the wind here. Um, if, if recovery goes reasonably well, I, no matter what happens, you're going to see consolidation. You're going to see less uh, capacity as we go forward. Longer turnaround times to, to cater for high, high, new hygiene requirements. So after that initial wave of sales, if all goes well and sort of treatments are rolled out and things are start to be controlled next year, I'd expect you to see if the demand starts to recover, I can only see prices rising at that mm -hmm. stage. Um, but I'm not a particularly an aviation expert. That's just my sense of it at that's, the moment. Yeah, and that's kind of my gut reaction to it as well. So Tina, dealing with accommodations, are you, how do you feel their pricing is going to go? Obviously, Ireland has some very expensive accommodation um, that are very nearly always sold out, even with their exorbitant prices. But then we have, you know, the, the family-owned B&B or the small boutique inn that are more moderate or even less expensive. 
are, do you have a feel for what we might be looking at as as these accommodations, especially the higher end ones, try to entice visitors to come back in? And will that roll over into the coming year, do you think? Yeah, it's like uh, couched it all in speculation again. In general, outside of travel and tourism, the luxury end of everything is holding its own very well and um, is even increased year on year and back again. It's not everybody has lost their income. They've lost their means of travel and they've lost, you know, a lot of day to day expenditure. Therefore, they have a little bit extra. Um, so I, I don't think there'd be an inordinate pressure on the high end to reduce their prices. There will probably be if you can travel, if you can travel, there would be a demand for that. There'd probably be a more of a pressure on the middle and lower end. Um, and it's I, I think just in the conversations I'm having, people really want to try and add value rather than lower their cost, which is always the ideal. But in the crash in 2010, 2011, 2012, there was a race to the bottom in prices amongst accommodation and it really damaged the industry and it really damaged um, the businesses within it. And I think that's there's, a, there's always the fear that people will start pricing, underpricing each other and, and we'll have to see if the kind of state supports came in that Paul was out, outlining there, I think we might prevent that happening. But there's no value to anybody in that happening because the businesses will have come off a year of no income and to then not, and literally zero income. And, and that's unprecedented really and there's no I don't know that there's an industry that's had a complete and utter cut off um, on income. So to think that they'd be discounting next year, I think they'll try their very best to hold to hold some kind of reasonable price. But again, the fear factor will come in, and you know that we'll, we'll have to see. I, I, the experience of 2010, 11, 12 is still quite quite alive for people. I think so. I think I think trust is going to play a huge part in this that we will look for reassurance so that may guide our booking as well and luxury is at an advantage there in that luxury brands to people tend to take them that bit more seriously they're not solely price led we may be convinced rightly or wrongly that they're more on top of hygiene and, and uh, the situation going forward um, we may look back to places we know, places we've been, both out of loyalty and because we, we've developed a relationship with those people. Um, and that could be that could look like a resort hotel or it could look like a country house. There's been talk in Ireland as well that camping might be able to find an opportunity in this if it manages the health protocols well, particularly people with loyal cohorts of visitors who go back year after year. Remote kind of isolated properties they could be country houses um they could be airbnbs where i think there'll be a big appetite for reunion holidays i've seen that phrase come mm -hmm. into my email inbox more often lately where families like my own just want to meet with granny and granddad and friends and they don't care if there's a pool or if there's an amazing restaurant nearby they just want to be together and they just might want somewhere to meet to do that so they're just some of the other conversations that have been going on there is definitely a lot of conversation going on. And I want to thank all three of you for taking the time to join me today to talk about this. And as we've been saying, everything that we have kind of predicted is all speculation. But there is one question I can ask you to end this that is not speculation. So tell me, when restrictions are completely lifted and you are allowed to travel within Ireland to any place, that you can, where is the first place you will go? Tina? 
Oh, God. <laughs> I don't want to leave anywhere out. I want to go everywhere. I'll, I'll first be over to La Hinch Beach, that's for sure. I live quite near the burn, really missing that as well. Um, and for so we had had planned in this Easter break that we were going to go to Sligo. Um, it's just Love been Sligo. for a while and we haven't made it as a family. We're, we're probably going to do the, the, the trip there. So possibly, possibly Sligo. Once we've seen Claire again. <laughs> Paul? Um, I, I have a desire just to get out and gobble this country up. I, I was just feeling it today. You know, we've been talking very loosely about what kind of domestic coverage we can do when things start to free up a bit. Uh, we're going to look at staycation series. Uh, and I was thinking about just getting out in my car and, and asking people on social media to tell me where to go next and just spend two weeks you know, I love it when you do those. You used to yeah, do yeah, that um, when you would go places, you would say, I'm going here. What should I yeah. be sure to see? I feel yeah, like I need good. a fix of it. I feel like I'm, I've, yeah. I've got withdrawal symptoms. But the one, just to throw one example at you, I was all set to do a walk in uh, County Wexford from Curraclow. There's a place just heading south of it called Raven Point, which is a beautiful forested peninsula just down there. I was just going to go down for a day. It's about an hour and a half's drive from me. Do the walk, video it, write it up. And it was one of the things that just got axed when we were all confined to home. So I, I, that's just an example of something I'll pick up as soon as I can. And Stephanie, you, uh, like me, your return to Ireland takes a little bit more time, a little bit more planning. So what are you thinking when you, when you finally make it back? Where, where do you think that you are going to be sure to add to that itinerary? I, I think I'm kind of like Tina and Paul. I think I really just want to be everywhere right now. Um, and I just want to soak it all up. Um, certainly, I was just working on an itinerary for someone. They were uh, doing the, the Waterford Greenway, and I have yet to do it. And so, yeah, and I'm so, I'm, I'm really itching to get down and um, get down and, and uh, hop on the bikes. And I've got two little boys. And so hopefully by the time, you know, we get to go, I'll be able to rent a couple little bikes and they can, we'll, we'll come along and I'll do it together. If I can make a recommendation, base yourself in Dunmore East. We were there for a week last summer and it was so amazing. Excellent. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, everybody, I, I do want to thank you again so much for joining me today and for taking the time. This was an excellent conversation and it was so good to actually see your faces for a few minutes. Thank you. Yeah, thank and, you for having us. Thank you. And uh, if anybody wants to let people know where they might be able to learn a bit more about you, I will give you that opportunity, Tina. Yeah, um, anything about me is on my website, um, thetourismspace.com. That's probably the best place and all the usual social media spots as well. So yeah, love to hear from anybody. Paul? You can find our travel coverage on independent.ie slash travel. And I'm on social media at Polo Canile, which is P-O-L-O-C-O-N-G-H-A-I-L-E. <laughs> and Stephanie. I am at infiniteireland.com and you can find me on Facebook and, and Instagram as Ireland Travel Coach. Excellent. Thanks again, everybody. Have a great evening. Thank you, Jody. Thank you. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode of the Traveling in Ireland podcast, please leave a five-star review at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Android. If you can't leave a review on your podcast app, 
please pop over to the Ireland Family Vacations Facebook page and leave a review there or take a screenshot and tag me at Ireland Family Vacations on Instagram with a few kind words. If you have questions or comments, you can always email me jody at irelandfamilyvacations.com and as always, thanks for listening. Until next time, Slangafol. Fall.